Mom Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Live and Learn. I am excited because today we have our very favorite divorce attorney in the house, Annette Cox Sandoval with Cox Sandoval Law. What's going on, Annette? How are you? Just busy as always. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. You name it. <laughs> Kids, all the things, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been a minute since we've had you on and I know that you are busy, busy because there are, I mean, let's, let's face it. There are a lot of divorces happening out there and I know that you are also, so this video was recorded in November of 2023 and I know that you are coming up on probably your busy season, right? January, yeah. February. Yeah. Especially, I mean, people will t kind of table the relationship issues during the holidays, but then it starts back up in the new year, kind of like a new new year resolution or, or something. So yeah, right. go to the gym, get a divorce, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so as you know, because you're in mom nation also, uh, we see a lot of posts from moms that have a lot of questions surrounding divorce. What's the process? What can I expect? How do I get started? Like, these are a lot of posts that we see. A post that we see a lot is talking about um, what's going to happen with the kids? What's going to happen with, you know, the parenting time we call it now, right? We don't, we don't call right. it custody anymore. So maybe you can speak on that. Cause that was news to me when you mentioned that to me the other day. Um, but it's, it's really overwhelming in and of itself to start to embark on this process. And then you've got kiddos involved and, um, you know, people I, I feel could really use some guidance and maybe some basics so that they can better understand what that process looks like. Absolutely. Um, I, I know that's one of the top questions that I get during consultations. And the first thing I, I want everyone to understand is that the vocabulary isn't custody. Um, that's not the word. You'll hear in court the words legal decision-making and parenting time, and they mean two different things. And so sometimes it's important to figure out, well, what what's really your priority? Um, for example, legal decision-making is going to mean who's making the big medical and educational decisions for the kids. Not like, can you have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? It's going to be more like, which school should they go to? Or down the road, if they get diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, do you medicate or do you not? Mm -hmm. If it's if it's a joint legal decision-making order, parents have to make those big decisions together. And um, so that's kind of the decision-making piece. And then parenting time is really the schedule that the kids keep. And so especially like for moms with little ones or babies, you know, maybe more the the schedule that the child keeps with each parent is going to be the priority. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe for older kids who, or even potentially special needs kids, the decision-making piece might be more important. So um, it's important. Yeah, definitely to know what it is that you were talking about or, or the court is talking about and which one is the most important. I, and I guess sometimes both. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and what's typical, how does the court just looking at an average situation, how does the court make that decision in terms of both parenting time and legal decision-making? Are there certain factors that are involved? 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's actually the statute. It's the main one to to figure out what's in the best interest of the kids. And there are several factors that the court is going to look at. Some of them will be um, like which parent will encourage frequent and meaningful access with the other parent, uh, which um, what was the past present and what is the potential future relationship between the children and both parents, um, the kiddos adjustment to home, school, and community. Um, other factors include the mental and physical health of the parents. So uh, there are several really important factors that the court does look at when first establishing what kind of decision-making orders should be in place. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, the way, just as a, as a practical note, the court typically is going to start with joint, joint legal decision-making and some kind of 50-50 schedule, unless you can really show compelling reasons why that's not in the best interest of the kids. So I think that's kind of that's the starting point and you work backwards based upon if there have been some maybe negative things happening domestic violence being one um drug addiction or alcohol addiction can be another so um and then and then even potentially logistical reasons if you've got a parent maybe who works out of state for three weeks out of the month well 50 50 isn't going to be logistically feasible. So there are some reasons like that, uh, but for the most part, the court will want to see if joint and 50-50 is, is doable. Makes sense. Now let's, let me take you back to the piece that you brought up about if there has been some abuse in the home or if there is uh, one parent has an addiction issue or whatever the case may be. A lot of our posts do state things like that. And so what advice do you have for somebody that is going to be going through this process, anticipating this conversation, obviously, you know, with parenting time and legal decision-making, but has these fears about their spouse because their spouse may have been abusive in the past or because their spouse may be an alcoholic or something like that. Like what kinds of things would the spouse bring the other spouse bring to the table, for example, to show, Hey, these are, these are problems that we've had in the past, and I'm fearful that my child will be subject to this. Right. I think, uh, you know, first, I just want to reiterate that it's important for someone to be safe. You know, don't ever put yourself in harm's way um, or, you know, or feel like you're creating a dangerous situation. Um, but the more evidence you can honestly have to support your case so that it's not just a he said, she said situation, the better off you'll be in court. Um, for domestic violence, I have found that audio recordings are really compelling evidence. Um, I, I think video pictures of injuries, if there are medical records, mm. Um, you know, if someone had to go to the emergency room, even just the discharge paperwork, that at least supports that that situation and that incident occurred. Um, 
text messages can be used. Um, the court generally doesn't like to sift through thousands and thousands of messages to piece it together. But if someone admitted, hey, you know, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to punch you or I didn't, you know, something like that, that's obviously um, going to be helpful evidence. So medical records, police reports. Um, I know it's, it's, I think it's well known that a lot of women in particular hesitate to call the police, yeah. but if you do, that does at least document that something happened. Um, that's the type of evidence that the court would look at for, uh, DV situations. If it's more of a, maybe an addiction issue, um, even taking pictures, if someone really is an alcoholic, taking a picture of all the bottles just stacked up in the trash can or kind of, you know, laying around, sometimes people will find it in their spouse's cars. And so taking pictures of that, it really helps to give the judges a visual, like this isn't just, you know, a happy hour situation. This is something more extreme. Um, Body cam footage recently has been particularly helpful. You know, if, if someone's pulled over for a DUI, get the report and get the body cam footage. Interesting. So document, document, document as much as possible. Yes. At what point can kids choose? So that's another question that we get a lot. Um, usually it happens when the kids start getting into the preteen years, uh, and the way the way that works, at least in Arizona, is that it's just a it's a factor under the best interest, all the other best interest factors that the court has to consider. But only if the child is of the age and has the capacity to express preferences. So, uh, you know, there can be some situations where even a 15 year old, you know, if 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 he's expressing preferences because dad buys him, you know, all the fancy shoes and, right. you know, the clothes and stuff. Well, that's really not going to show maturity on the part of, of the kiddo. Um, and his opinion would not be taken as seriously. So there's never a bright line rule where a judge has to do exactly what a child wants. Um, it's just, something that their preferences can be taken into account. And, and the way that a, a court will get the child's opinion, it, aside from maybe mom and dad saying, well, you know, my child said this uh, during testimony, um, would be you can file a motion to have a child interviewed, depending on what the reasons are. Uh, for example, if, if a kiddo has experienced some kind of abuse, the court might be willing to interview a child as young as seven, seven, eight. Wow. Um, but it's not the judge doing the interviews, at, at least uh, in Maricopa County. Um, the judges won't do that. There are people on staff that work with the courts who are trained to interview kiddos. And um, so typically what would happen is if you filed that motion, the judge would grant it and and schedule a time. And so on the actual order, it would say, hey, you know, bring your child uh, to this courthouse and, you know, you'll meet someone in conciliation services. And then the kiddo goes in. 
So is, it's not as intimidating, I think, for the for the kiddos as people might imagine, because it's not a judge in a black robe interviewing them. So yeah, that oh, good, because that can be really overwhelming for a child, especially a young child. Is there right. ever a time when the child maybe doesn't want to stay with either parent? And, and is there ever anyone that is appointed to the child to speak for them? Is that a thing? It is actually. Um, and it's, it's something that I have done in the past. Um, so the county has, it's called a, a special advocacy contract, and they have a list of attorneys who can serve as uh, best interest attorneys on behalf of the children. And those attorneys, if they make an assessment that neither parent is good for them, they can actually file a dependency petition and then involve the state to figure out, well, maybe what what should happen with this child? Should um, should the parents participate in services to reunify with the child? Should the child maybe be placed with a relative, at least on a temporary basis? Um, so yes, there is that option. Um, there are also, there's also another role, it's called court advisor. And the court can appoint uh, people to do a report, uh, which in some ways is kind of like a mini custody evaluation, where the court advisor will talk to both parents, um, often talk to the child, they'll review records, um, and then they'll write a report with recommendations to the judge. Um, there are restrictions on it. They, you know, they can't necessarily make legal decision-making recommendations, but they can talk about what kind of services the family could benefit from or what kind of schedule might work for the kiddos. So um, that's another option uh, if if a best interest attorney isn't isn't going to be appointed or or if the court's not willing to do that. And to get a court advisor, you typically do have to allege that some kind of abuse or neglect has has happened in the family. Oh, must be so sad to see. I can't imagine the things you see, my friend. Um, anything else that you would like to add uh, in terms of parenting time or in terms of legal decision making? Any last minute advice? Anything like that? Well, um, on the legal decision making side, I, I think that it's not very well known that there's different levels of decision making. And um, I think sometimes for helping with settlement, it's important to know what each of those levels are. And so, uh, like I had mentioned, the court is typically going to start out with joint legal decision making over here on kind of on this side of the spectrum. And that means that both parents have to consult each other, uh, notify each other of doctor's appointments and try to make those big decisions together. And then on the other side is going to be sole legal decision making. And that's where uh, you don't have to consult the other parent who doesn't have legal decision making authority. Um, the parent who has sole gets to just make those decisions without having to consult. In the middle though, there is, um, it's called joint legal decision-making with one parent having final say. And the way that works is, um, you know, you you 
talk or email about an issue. You try in good faith to make uh, a decision together. And if if you can't, then one person or one parent who's been designated with final say gets to be the tiebreaker. So um, often that's kind of a good compromise level. You know, if if someone, if for example, mom files and she asks for sole legal decision-making and dad responds and says, oh, you know, hell no, I want joint and I'm involved. Well, maybe joint with final would be a way for them to compromise. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, because at least at least both parents are included and, you know, should be made aware of what the issues are. So that's, I think, one of the big things um, for people to know. So awesome. Thank you. And now at your office, you offer free consultations, correct? We do. Yes. So if somebody were to want to chat with you, maybe they have a couple of questions, not really sure the process, not sure the route that they want to go, um, how can they get in touch? Um, The easiest, honestly, is to just call our office um, because we do ask a few questions. We want to rule out any any conflicts, make sure I haven't talked to the other party. Um, Oh, yeah. Right. And then we get you scheduled. So uh, there is a form that I ask people to fill out. It's an intake form, just some basic information, because it helps me to know, okay, what might your concerns be? You know, if there are kids listed on it, I know custody might be an issue that comes up. So yeah, calling, scheduling, and, um, and then we can talk. We can always meet in person as well. Awesome. And I have your contact info in the show notes. So audience members, you can click on that easily and get in touch with Annette. She is awesome. She is totally on top of things and she will help guide you through the very, the very crazy jungle of all that is divorces, right, Annette? We do our best. (laughs) Yeah. That probably keeps changing too. Just like my industry does. It's, it's crazy. If you guys want to check out any of our past live and learn episodes, head on over to our YouTube channel. We are at Mom Nation USA. That is our handle. If you scroll down just a little bit, you will see the live and learn playlist, but you will also see another playlist that is called Divorcing as Parents. So if you are going through the journey, if you are just about to embark on the journey, or maybe you've already gone through it and you just want to learn more, then you can hop over to our YouTube channel, click on that playlist, and you get lots of information there. If you are more of the podcast type, maybe you run a lot, bike a lot, hike a lot, then you can hop on over to your favorite podcast platform, do a quick search for Mom Nation Talk Radio, and there you will be able to subscribe, download, get notifications of all of our episodes. Thank you again, Annette. Thank you. Bye.